Hi, and welcome back to Zao, the podcast where we hear and share stories of life lived. All that we have in this life are our relationships. This is something I've believed for a long time. All that we have are relationships. Everything else is an illusion. Money and possessions are an illusion. Even our health and safety can be fleeting. The only thing that is sure is the love we offer in this world. So what if your relationships could save your life? Literally. I'm not talking about friends cheering you up or being emotionally supportive in difficult times. I'm talking about your friends and family physically keeping you alive. Seven and a half years ago, Tommy Van Zandt had an accident. And it's an accident that most people don't survive. And since then, his friends and family have surrounded him and his immediate family with care in every single way. In this episode, you'll hear the story of Tommy and his wife, Robin Van Zandt. And I know you'll be inspired by their story. But I also want you to hear the sub-story. It's a story of life-giving relationships that surround Tommy and Robin. Now, my conversation with Tommy and Robin was an hour and a half, and it was incredible. And I wrestled with, what could I edit out? But some of it was so wonderful, I just decided that there was nothing I could take out. So instead, I've divided this episode up into two parts. And this now is part one of the Zao of Tommy and Robin Van Zandt. Okay, we are here with... Tommy and Robin Van Zant. They are our storytellers for uh, this episode. Uh, Robin is saying that she is not going to talk. Tommy's going to do all the talking. She just gets to sit and make faces at Tommy while he does all the talking. Is that, that's the agreement that we've. It's a husband and wife thing. <laughs> the way it works. Do you not know that? Yeah, I do. Well, listen, I do. Yes. I do. Okay. So, Tommy, tell tell us a little bit about you, your background, where you came from, grew up, all that okay. stuff. Okay. I. Uh, Born in Little Rock in 1959 and uh, moved to Fort Smith when I was four years old and was raised there. Mom and dad, older sister that was real mean to me. Uh, She's older than I am and so she took that as a license to, you know, treat me as her slave and I, you know, usually kind of went ahead with it just to hang out with her and (laughs) had a very normal uh, you know beaver cleaver uh, upbringing and uh, then attended the University of Arkansas after graduating in uh, at Southside High School and uh, I had no idea what I wanted to major in like many freshmen and all I knew was that I needed to be at the University of Arkansas, and uh, I took full advantage of it. And um, but I did graduate in four years, believe it or not. I did actually get a degree in marketing, uh, and I was uh, lucky enough to get a job in '81 when I graduated with Phil's Petroleum Company in Dallas, and I was very excited because the economy in Arkansas was very, very bad. Uh, that was a bad time in our country's, you know, economic situation as well. And 
so uh, went to Dallas and about three years after starting with Phillips I decided I needed to be in the commercial real estate business because I watched all of these great things going on there and big buildings and uh, you know different things that I thought I would be good at and unfortunately it took you know 18 months for anybody to even talk to me much less hire me because I obviously wasn't connected or didn't have any background but uh, you know made the best choice of my life and ended up with one of the best mentors of my life uh, while being there and I was there for um, I was there for 18, or excuse me, I was there for 19 years, and uh, I met Robin um, when I was interviewing for a intern, and uh, a friend introduced us. Uh, we think now it was a setup because it was a luncheon that was set up and I needed a high school intern for the summer and Robin has a you know degree in international business from the University of Texas so she was much more qualified than I was to have my job <laughs> um, so obviously uh, didn't connect with the job thing but uh, I pursued her relentlessly and uh, a couple of years later it paid off. Was she a tough sell? Tough sell. I mean uh, she grew up in Mississippi so I knew I had a shot. Uh, you know she wasn't a typical Texas you know tea sip uh, you know kind of gal. And she was a Southern Belle. She had some Southern Belle in her, and I knew if she grew up in Mississippi, she knew a little bit about rednecks, and so I knew I had a shot. And <laughs> You so, need to see Robin's face as she's making me yeah, yeah. yeah, I can't see her face, and I'm glad I can't. What? And she was, that's right, she was 22 and had just graduated from college, and I was 26 and had been in Dallas for, you know, four to five years as a single bachelor, you know, had a lot of uh, guy friends, and, you know, we had, you know, experienced all the great things of living in the big city and uh, for the first time in our lives having our own money and mm -hmm. so forth and Robin was just getting started so having a relationship was about the last thing on her mind yeah. and so hence uh, the bigger hurdle I had to overcome yeah. and uh, it was, as I've told everybody uh, that has ever asked you know how in the world did you get her? I, I hear that all the time, and I have for 29 years, actually 30, <laughs> since we, you know, started dating and so forth. But uh, it had to be providential. It was providential. I mean, God had His hand in that deal because there was no other way it was going to happen. <laughs> it was not my good looks or my uh, wonderful charm and. Uh, 
you know. Actually, I think God was taking care of me. Yeah. Well, I think we've... It's a gift. Well, it's definitely been a two-way street. And, of course, now, uh, well, fast forward, uh, that was in uh, 87 that we were married and uh, had two children, uh, you know, four years later, five years later. And we stayed... uh, about another eight years mm-hmm. and both boys both right? boys yeah. and they were eight and five and I loved what I was doing in the commercial real estate business you know Dallas was the kind of the center of the universe for that mm-hmm. for the most part back in the day and I'd seen all the ups and downs but you know it's it's a big city and it's a hard place to live in uh, once, particularly when you have children, right? And uh, so we, you know, it, it wore on us uh, quite a bit, and so I took it upon myself early in our marriage to bring her to Arkansas every chance I could to go to Devil's Den and you know play all pretty much northwest Arkansas a little bit Little Rock mm-hmm. um, and she of course brought up the subject early in our marriage of okay what are where are we gonna where are we gonna end up yeah you know where for you the rest land? of our lives mm-hmm. what are we you know what are we gonna be doing where are we gonna live and me being the typical male I was like are you kidding me I don't even know you know what I want for lunch um, so she forced the agenda which uh, I think many times in marriages uh, women do uh, they're the smarter of the two mm-hmm. and tend to push uh, those type of emotional uh, conversations and so thankfully Robin was there to push me on those things yeah. and uh, so in our discussions we talked about you know North Carolina South Carolina uh, you know all the you know maybe Austin maybe because she had been in Austin and mm-hmm. uh, you know just you know four or five places yeah. uh, that we might want to live in and you know I think I don't know how you know, we, I don't know if I brought up, you know, maybe Northwest Arkansas, um, and you know, and I knew that was probably going to be a hard sell. Yeah, because Northwest Arkansas was not. It was anything not. Then. It was not. I mean, it was. I mean, it was. I knew there was potential there because I'd been keeping up with the Walmart growth, yeah. etc. But you know, we started talking about this in about nine or we let's see, yeah, ninety five, ninety mm-hmm. maybe no, even ninety two, ninety one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was right because Jack or Ross, Ross. was born in ninety one. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, we you know I just kind of kept it in my mind and followed what was going on up here and really 
I felt like, you know, there's going to be some potential with that growth because yeah. there will be peripheral uh, growth of other industries around that. And uh, for once in my life, I was sort of correct. Yeah. And so we, you know, we talked and talked and talked and I was doing all the talking and not any of the doing. And so when I turned, I was about to turn 40 and the kids were, you know, I don't remember, three and or four and one or whatever. And mm-hmm. Robin finally, we were talking about it peripherally again on my part and she kind of grabbed me by the shoulders and said Tommy you know we're either going to do this or we're not going to do this but let's figure it out so we can move on yeah and so I knew right then that I the line had been drawn in the sand and I better do something so he's being really gracious I mean you know when I I was talking to him about this the other night when I think about how well he was doing in his job and the connections that he had in his job. I mean, really wonderful group of friends. And, you know, that's a big community, Dallas, but real estate community, you know, Mm -hmm. that is a smaller community and they're a pretty tight-knit group. And here's a man that is... I mean, climbing up in the industry, well-respected industry, wonderful connections, and makes that decision to move really very huge right. uh, leap of yeah. faith. And he did it for his family. Yeah. And I, you know, he says all this, but I, I just look back all the time, I'm like, I cannot believe that you were... Um, I don't know what the word, I mean, humble enough or just loved us enough or what to be able to, you know, turn your back on that and basically start all over here. And it just makes me so grateful and thankful for how how things have turned out for him here, yeah. you know, yeah. not only work-wise, but just our But being a... You know, a Arkansas guy at heart. I'm, you know, I was tired of the big city yeah. as well. Yeah. Or, you know, and I'd been there longer than Robin had actually, and so I was, I was ready to go too. But I was also trying to figure out how do I make a living. And you know, mm-hmm. we wanted to move to Fayetteville, and you know, Northwest Arkansas wasn't quite the term that it is now. Right. It was. You know, you were divided up by the four uh, small towns up here, and I wanted to live in Fayetteville, and I was, you know, trying to figure that out. Right. And so my uh, brother-in-law slash mentor slash, you know, best friend that I'd had since I was in junior high school when he started dating my sister, um... had moved here from Chicago, Arkansas guy, same story, had been around the country with with a large commercial real estate firm Mm -hmm. and had to get back to Arkansas and he had joined a partnership there and 
So he was, you know, feeding me some information, mm -hmm. but it was still quite a leap of faith because, you know, there were no, you know, it was kind of, hey, here's what's going on, and yeah. you know, we think it may be great, and you know, commercial real estate must have been a lot of empty lots and fields. Well, and it was, uh, it it was, uh, but you know, I was accustomed to dealing with quite a bit you know, larger, uh, you know, assets or, mm -hmm. or buildings down there just because it was a bigger city. No knock on Arkansas. It was just what it was. And so, you know, moving up here and dealing with, you know, a 5,000-foot building, a 10,000-square-foot building as opposed to a, you know, you know 400,000... Right. Seven hundred thousand foot building, or a cluster of a mm -hmm. of buildings that were a million square feet, or whatever. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, quite a bit of culture shock. But I, you know, I knew, I thought I knew what I was getting into, <laughs> and I was lucky enough to have a great partner up here that was already uh, working with the partnership that that. Mark Savers, my brother-in-law, was uh, a part of, and Brian Shaw is still my partner 16 years later. Because yeah. uh, you, you made the move in 2000. I made the move in 2000. And you've been greatly successful here and, and really... Well, and I, don't, you know, I don't know about the greatly part, but okay. we <laughs> have uh, we've been blessed and uh, we have not, uh, you know, we have not had a need uh, yeah. that we couldn't figure out how to satisfy. Yeah. So in 2009, um, so nine years after you all had been there, we had a big ice storm. And uh, there was a lot of trees damaged, branches falling everywhere. And you all have a beautiful home with lots of trees and property. And after the storm passed and everything thawed out, your family had a work day to clean that up. Tell me about that day. Yeah, it was the first day, uh, really, since the ice storm had occurred, what, Robin, two weeks earlier, three weeks earlier, you know, it had been so bitter cold for so long and yeah. everything was frozen so hard uh, for such a period of time. It was uh, quite a, a beautiful day, you know, it warmed up, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was just wearing shirt sleeves uh, with no coat or anything and I loved you know doing yard work yeah. it was you know, one of the very few things I knew how to do uh, from a handyman standpoint and uh, so I you know had my you know when we got to Arkansas I had to I had to have a chainsaw and I had to have <laughs> you know all the the man tools and all that good stuff and so we had quite a few uh, trees and or uh, large limbs that were down and or were halfway down and needed to be further cut, et cetera. And the kids were, um, I don't know, uh, what, Robin, 14? No, that's not right. 13 and uh, 17. 13 and 17. Yeah. Uh, when you know, this day occurred, and uh, so I, we were all out there, and I was cutting, you know, I was sawing things off, and they were 
dragging them into a big pile. We had enough room back here to uh, to actually, you know, be able to burn brush, and mm -hmm. so, you know, we just worked as hard as we could that particular day, and still, you know, there was a lot left to do, yeah. and so we had decided at, you know, lunch or a little after lunch that we needed to go, you know, obviously get some lunch. We had all worked up a, a you know, a big hunger, and so Robin and the boys went up to the house, which is probably, uh, I don't know, 70 yards from the uh, from the house, or, or I was 70 yards from the house, where, mm -hmm. where uh, when they, you know, went up, I was down working on this last tree, it was the biggest tree in our yard, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yes. Actually, when we came up here, you were on the side of the house. That's right. And after we came in, I was not even aware that you had gone down That's to true. that tree. I, I, the last limb, it was I, the limb itself was probably two feet in diameter, so it was the mm. size of a tree. Yeah. But it was off, you know, ten feet off the ground, twelve feet off the ground, and the limb had not completely broken but was, uh, you know, hanging very low and twisted and had been, uh, you know, broken, but hadn't fallen. And I, you know, having small or younger age kids who were out in the yard a lot, I, I thought, I, you know, I don't know what I'd do if that fell on somebody. Yeah. And so uh, I thought, well, I'm gonna get that last limb. And, I, you know, so I got our ladder we had a 15-foot ladder and went down there, you know, probably the 70 yards away. And, you know, the ladder would not reach up to the limb itself to lean, to be able to lean the ladder up against it. And so I, you know, I just, well, by golly, I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm Mr bulletproof and so I put the ladder out on grass on a slope nobody there to help me hold it and I thought well I can grab the part of the limb I'm not going to cut off and I can hold on to that with my left hand and I can uh you know do the chainsaw cutting with the, my right hand and I thought you know okay this isn't this probably is not the smartest thing I've ever done but I thought well the chainsaw is what I'm afraid of right. and I thought alright if I start to fall I'll just throw the chainsaw this way and I'll go that way and I'm not that far up And so anyway um, it was a you know a wily Coyote uh, Roadrunner uh, cartoon of me cutting the limb and the limb uh, didn't fall completely off it swung down hitting the uh, ladder and knocking me backwards I did throw the I did throw the chainsaw off stuck but, to your plan uh, stuck to the plan and the part of the plan I hadn't thought of was me falling backwards and landing on basically on the back of my head which you know just kind of broke that vertebra uh, the C two three four vertebra right at your neck, base of your base of your skull, uh, and 
down, you know, kind of the base of your neck. Yeah. And uh, so I uh, fell and I heard the, uh, I heard the, you know, the crack, the break when mm. I fell, pretty distinctive. And uh, at that, I'm laying on the ground and at that moment, uh, I know that God's hand was on me mm. because I didn't freak out. I, I had a, an immense uh, feeling of calmness uh, at that moment, and I just thought I was conscious, and mm. I just thought, okay, your neck's broken. And I was thinking, I'm a pretty positive guy. Anyway, I always had been. I was just blessed to be born that way. And so I thought, all right, well, those things can get fixed. I'm still conscious. I'm, you know, so everything's going to be cool. And so, uh, you know, to me, it was 10 minutes later, but it was probably 30, you know, 30 seconds later. Mm. Um I felt the paralysis kind of coming over my body, or I thought I was feeling it. Yeah. And so, uh, and to me, it felt as though a breeze, a warm breeze came over my body as I was going uh, numb everywhere. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, you know, again, I think that was the way the Lord chose to, uh, present this to me you know instead of having intense pain or panic or whatever I you know it was just this a calm feeling and so again I say all right you're now paralyzed now <laughs> okay big boy what are you gonna do what are you gonna do now and mm. so I uh, started praying immensely uh, wanted to uh, you know, I was just, you know, if you could, you know, heal me, uh, you know, I'm asking for your, you know, be with me and heal me, etc. I was thinking more big picture mm -hmm. for those 30 seconds, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And so then I start to feel my diaphragm start to, uh, you know, become paralyzed. So therefore, my breathing was getting shallow, more and more shallow. Mm -hmm. And so I then changed my prayer from big picture to, you know, very micro level. And mm -hmm. I prayed very hard that, you know, Lord, if it's my time to go, I'm good with that. I, I can handle that. But I want to see Robin and the boys one more time. I just got to see him and I, you know again I was probably in shock I you know who knows how long it took for me to say that for them to actually get here get yeah. to me and uh, so but it seemed to me pretty immediate that uh, Robin had you know well Robin once you jump in and say what you saw and, well, I, and why you saw it even. Well, I was just inside cleaning up and the boys were in the shower and getting ready to go to lunch and I just kind of hit me. I was like, what? I thought Tommy was following us up. 
uh-huh. you know, to go to lunch. And I got busy cleaning up, and I was like, where, where is he? So I just walked, you know, last time I saw him, he was on the side of the house. So I looked in the back, and, and then I saw him in the fetal position yeah. under the tree. So and just by happenstance, just you happenstance. saw him Just happenstance, I just walked over there, and I saw him laying there. And so, you know, I ran down there, and he said, I'm paralyzed, called 911. I ran back up here and called 911, got the boys, and Jack ran down there, and Tommy told him to hold him up so he could continue to breathe. He just yeah. kind of rolled me. Yeah. Uh, he couldn't not hold me up, like stand me up. Just, just try to roll me over a little bit. So I, I was feeling the pressure in my lungs, and mm-hmm. therefore the difficulty of breathing. So I thought, well, if I can get on this side, I can breathe a little better, which yeah. I think helped. It's uh, amazing that you never lost consciousness. I mean, I know. it's just absolutely amazing. Uh, well, and that's the blessing. It's it's a blessing, and it's you know God's hand in that. Even I was he was keeping me alive yeah. because, uh, as Robin can tell you, I didn't know it at the time, and I didn't know it, you know, maybe for quite a bit of time after my injury and in rehab and whatever. But most people don't survive that injury yeah. because of. You know exactly that you suffocate right. and you know again in god's plan the uh ems truck uh drove somehow through our backyard and was able to get to me and uh got me in and and you know i had robin may no more i was then i was completely in La La Land and I was I thought I was I thought the boys were in the EMS with me and I was just telling them you know I just said guys you know just laugh everything's gonna be alright just just remember to laugh yeah now were you in the ambulance with them I was in the ambulance I jumped up in the front because the guys were they were all around trying to take care of them and our boys we had a friend actually came and picked them up and took them to the hospital wow and so you were in the hospital for here for a month? Right. And then rehab? Yes. For a year? Uh, 11 months? No, I was, I was in rehab for about seven months. Okay, seven I was months. here a month and then seven months after right. that in rehab in uh, Colorado at Craig Hospital, which... Um, is a story in and of itself how we were able to get in such a wonderful specialty hospital for mm-hmm. uh, spinal cord injuries. Yeah. And uh, so, yes, I was there uh, seven months, and a parent, Robin, can tell you, but I, you know, the last part of the last few weeks of my stay at Washington Regional and nothing against them they were wonderful to me but they're an acute care hospital they're not a rehab hospital and uh, so you know as time was going on I was apparently getting you know more and more ill Uh, your Mm -hmm. lungs are very uh, compromised because you're on a ventilator and so your breathing is all done for you by a machine but uh, 
it doesn't keep your lungs from, they're not operating at, at all and definitely not efficiently, so therefore pneumonia is, you know, sets in pretty easily and quickly, which did happen to me. And um, so it, you know, the Robin and, and Mark Savers uh, and, you know, my sister Vicky and others had, you know, were proud around me during this whole month trying to wrap their arms around so many things, you know, yeah. our boys and, you know, how to help take care of them while Robin's at the hospital all the time and, you know, my work situation, our, you know, monthly bill, you know, just all the things that go on whether you're in the hospital or not. Right. And, uh, and also trying to get a handle on the future, you yeah. know, the immediate future. Where can we get him in, you know, the best place we can get him into and what is insurance going to pay for and what don't they pay for and, you know, all those things that I obviously was not even conscious enough to, you know, be aware of. Right. And, um, but, you know, again, I, I, you know, I think the Lord stepped in with Craig Hospital and the, um, they were, believe it or not, on our approved insurance list and they flew someone in, what, a day later after we made contact with them? Is that what y'all told me? Anyway, lady flew in and they like to understand your situation, understand your, uh, your family and or, you know, uh, care, you know, who is going to be around you and help you get through all of this. Mm -hmm. We're not just a, you know, a hospital you go roll in and stay for a week or two. And so they, you know, said, well, we, you know, we think we can help you, but unfortunately we're full and um, there's not a bed. And she, um, I don't know, Robin, you may want to finish this. I didn't, and then while she was still here before she, ran back to get on the plane to leave uh she got a call from craig and they said we have a bed open oh my and but you have to get here within what 48 hours or yeah i, I can't remember two or three days yeah and so so getting someone who is in your health condition at that point from arkansas to colorado in 48 hours is I mean, in, incredible. I mean, I, I don't yeah. know. Uh, well, my boy. brother, my brother stepped in and and got a medical jet. Oh wow! Wow! So, Another angel. Yeah. You know, the, this, none of this could have happened. I wouldn't be here today. Uh, you know, seven and a half years later, if we didn't have so many different angels yeah. in the flesh around me. Yeah, you've talked and, a lot about angels as I've known you. Tell me about the angels in your life, these well, people. Well, you know, it, it starts with your family, obviously, and, you know, the first angel uh, and the, you know, the, the most important angel is Robin mm -hmm. because without her support and her love and her... Just being Robin uh, to me, even though you know going, 
you know, when she saw me and spent time with me, she was Robin, you mm -hmm. know, smiling, and we laughed, and we tried to talk. I couldn't talk for, you know, about, I don't know, the first two months. Yeah. And so she was doing all the talking, and I had to respond by looking at a chart with letters on it and trying to spell out letters. Mm. And, you know, you can only imagine how frustrating that would be for yeah. the other person trying to go through that. But yeah. she was there, and she made, she told me from the very moment I saw her after I, when I became conscious enough in the hospital in the very beginning that you're going to get through this, we're going to get through this, everything's going to be all right. Yeah. And that was, I, that is, when I heard that from her, that, was, that propelled me beyond. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it just, that was it. Yeah. And so from that point forward, I was just going to be me. I was going to, all I had to worry about was being me. And I, you know, the, I mean, the Lord was taking care of all the heavy lifting yeah. and, you know, and Robin and, and my family, you know, my sister, brother-in-law, Robin's, uh, you know, sister, brother, etc. And then, as you know, those were the that was kind of the front line. And then, the, <laughs> you know, the 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 you know the people that were all around so quickly were people from my days in Dallas. You know, mm -hmm. friends of ours from Dallas that came while I was still in intensive care, and people that came from Little Rock, and people that came from. You know, obviously, uh, mainly around here, right. uh, and people that I knew uh, real well, and you know, I was told several people that were in the waiting room at ICU that I didn't know. Yeah, uh, and maybe they just heard the story. Maybe they knew Robin. Maybe they, you know, we had met casually or whatever but they were there mm -hmm. and they were praying and they were you know there was you know the prayer warriors were working hard yeah and uh jill hollis and her husband trey immediately started a blog and that uh you know with scripture and it was kind of a day by day you know mm -hmm. thing and my and mark saver started a daily diary for himself wow. of, you know here's what you know here's what happened and here's who was here and here's who the doctors were and here's who was in the waiting room and so forth and I, go ahead robin well i mean he's written a book well, I was yeah. getting that. Yeah. Uh, and, but anyway, he, yeah, this daily diary to, you know, he said it was somewhat uh, therapeutic for him uh -huh. to get through because, you know, we had been hanging around together since, you know, I was, you know, 14 years old or mm. whatever. And uh, so this daily diary went all the way through rehab. So that whole, you know, first you know eight months to a year mm -hmm. period and so over time he has worked so hard along with his uh, business associate uh, Cindy in his office 
have, you know, kind of turned this into, uh, you know, from a diary to a, to a manuscript to wow. a, to a, you know, to what now may become a book, and that's wow. in the works now. And Mark is just—I mean, it's that is his passion—is to try to, you know, his hope is that other people, whether they're the injured, whether they're the victim, or whether they're the caregiver in this situation, maybe they can learn something from uh, Robin and and me. Yeah, yeah. And so that's his goal. And he's so cool. going to every length to get that done. I'm going to stop it there, and we'll call that part one. And we'll pick up in part two to hear more of how the angels of Tommy and Robin's lives continue to work to give them life. One of those ways is an event coming up on Friday, October 14th. It's called Tommy's Night Out. And it's a, a fun party with the Van Zants. It's a fundraiser put on by their friends to raise money for Tommy's care. And if you would like to purchase tickets or make a donation, go to the website friendsoftommyv.com. That's friendsoftommyv.com. I hope you'll support them and check out part two of the Zao of Tommy and Robin. Until next time.